Well, it's game on, listeners. Welcome back to Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast, the show where we tell fictional stories about humanity's strange beliefs and rituals. I'm Alastair Murden. And today, despite my English accent, I'm going to tell you a few stories about America's favorite pastime. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. To start, let me take you back to 1954. It's Game 1 of the World Series. The Cleveland Indians face off against National League champions, the New York Giants. The game is played in Upper Manhattan at a complex called the Polo Grounds. Top of the eighth, Giants and Indians are tied 2-2. The Indians' Vic Wirtz is at bat. Runners on first and second. There's the pitch. The hit. Willie Mays in the outfield for the Giants waiting. Waiting. In any other stadium, it's an instant home run and the Indians are up 5-2. But the Giants' field is longer than the rest. 483 feet to be exact, stretching all the way to a very important plaque. Mays sees the ball fly through the air. He knows he can grab it. So he turns, runs, looks over his shoulder and he catches it. One out. But Mays has more work to do. He pivots and throws, stopping a runner from scoring and preserving the tie. The crowd goes wild. This play would come to be known as the catch. The Giants won the 1954 World Series 4-0. And yet, just a few years later, the Giants owner moved the franchise to San Francisco. New York fans were not only furious, the Giants didn't win another series for 56 years. If you ask the most superstitious of baseball fans, there's a reason for it. The team was cursed, and it all had to do with that very important plaque. Coming up, a Giants intern uncovers the truth behind the curse. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Shannon leaned over the railing at AT&T Park, staring out toward the empty field. The San Francisco fog was thick around her and the wind so intense she had to grip onto the metal bars. To her, it was baseball weather. And today, on the first day of her internship, it was perfect. She'd been going to Giants games since she was a little kid. First at Candlestick Park, then later when AT&T opened, she and her mum would take Caltrain from Atherton to the city. She had so many fond memories of those games, eating Gilroy garlic fries and Ghirardelli sundaes, going down the Coca-Cola slide in between Barry Bonds' home runs, screaming, beat LA against the Dodgers. All she'd ever wanted was a World Series win and to be a part of it. 
the one thing the Giants hadn't achieved in almost half a century. If she were lucky, she'd come out of the season with a championship ring on her finger. Suddenly, her foam alarm went off, reminding her that her first meeting was in 10 minutes. Shannon took a breath and headed toward Willie Mays Plaza and the office. Her boss was a man named Tony. He wore khakis and an orange Giants polo, standard uniform for the team side staff. He sat behind his desk, chewing tobacco as he talked. Shannon, welcome. Come on in, have a seat. You impressed a lot of us in the interview process. Double major history and management, huh? <laughs> Smart kid. Shannon nodded as confidently as possible. It was her first day, and she wanted to make a good impression. School always came easy to me. I expect the same to occur here. Tony continued chewing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, every intern gets to choose a special project. You're not a baseball player because, duh, you're a girl, but I suspect a sharp mind like yours might want to work with roster management. We are... Uh, we need a good rookie. That was patronizing, but she ignored it. She knew making it in the sports world as a woman would be tough, and she wasn't going to get ahead by trying to copy the men. Actually, I'd like to work in the archives, she said. Tony sat up, surprised. The archives? Why? You wrote in your application you wanted to make an impact. Roster management is the most direct way to do that, believe me. Shannon understood what he was saying, but he was wrong. The Giants hadn't won a World Series since 1954. It was too long a drought for a team that had so many greats on their roster. Mays, McCovey, Bonds. With all due respect, sir, roster management clearly hasn't helped you. How do you know it hasn't? We've had a hot start to the season. Three straight wins against the Astros, then one against the Braves. Shannon cleared her throat. <clears throat> what happened this month? A string of losses. To the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets. She took out a picture that she had printed for just this occasion. I have a different idea, she said. It was a picture of the catch. The Willie Mays play that had gotten the Giants their last World Series win. You know what this is? Tony laughed. <laughs> if I didn't, I wouldn't have this job. Shannon pointed, not to Willie but to a plaque in the outfield. Not the play. This. This is the Eddie Grant plaque. It was a beloved monument of the New York Giants, but when the team moved here, it wasn't reinstalled. Many say that's the reason the Giants haven't won a series. It's a curse. Tony laughed. <laughs> Fans kill me sometimes. You know, they installed a replica in 2006. It's by the, uh, lefty O'Doul gate. Didn't exactly help us, though. Shannon shook her head. Because it was a replica. I intend to find the original. Tony rolled his eyes. Do you really think researching a curse is the best use of your time? Shannon nodded. Yes. Tony leaned back and began typing into his computer. Well... We said you can create your own project. If you want to waste this opportunity, I can't exactly stop you. 
Archive's office is downstairs. Have fun. Tony's dismissal did not deter Shannon. She spent her next few days digging through lists of season ticket holders, old fan letters, and donor records. She called one by one, leaving voicemails or talking to relatives. But many had either passed or had no idea what she was talking about when she talked about the plaque. Eddie Grant who, they said? She was beginning to think roster management would have been the right call, that maybe what she was doing was stupid. She decided she'd make one more call before begging to get reassigned. The final call was to a man named Bobby Jenkins. Hello. Shannon cleared her throat. <clears throat> yes, I'm calling on behalf of the San Francisco Giants. I already told you people. I've got no interest in season tickets, he said. I I'm not a salesperson. I'm an intern for the Giants, doing research. Same thing as far as I'm concerned. Now, thank you for your time, he said. Don't hang up. It's about the plaque. There was a long pause on the other end. For a moment, Shannon thought about asking if Bobby was still there. But then she remembered what a professor from her sports negotiation class had said. The first person to speak loses. Finally, after some time, it worked. She heard Bobby draw a breath. You want to know the story of the Eddie Grant plaque, do you? Shannon's heart raced. Finally, something. Yes. Dad used to take me to Giants games all the time. They were at the polo grounds then in Manhattan. After the games, you could walk right into the field, right where Willie Mays made the catch. And Dad would take my hand and walk me right up to the plaque. The Eddie Grant Memorial Plaque. Bobby spoke of old Giants games with a sense of nostalgia and wonder. It was as if he felt the same way Shannon did, like being a fan gave meaning to her life, like she was a part of something greater than herself. One time, when Bobby was about seven, he finally asked who Eddie Grant was. His father said he was a Harvard grad, a team player for the 1913 World Series team, a lawyer. Then, when his country needed him, he enlisted in World War I. Bobby's father was a New York police officer and World War II veteran. He'd admired Eddie greatly and would tap the plaque at the end of every game. Soldier, scholar, athlete, he said, reading the inscription. Why do you do that, Dad? Bobby asked. He remembered his father's hands shaking. It's old Giants magic, son. Tap the plaque and we'll win the next game. Shannon liked believing that wins were that simple, that fans had some control or a way they could participate in the outcome. For a while, I thought my father was just being funny, but as I got older, I noticed that he was weirdly obsessed with tapping the plaque. No matter how far away from the field we sat, he had to do it. There were other things, too. He kept saying he could see Eddie Grant himself, that Eddie would come to him in his dreams. By the time I was 15, the spring of 1957, 
I was pretty embarrassed by him. I think the war had messed him up pretty badly, but I didn't know it at the time. The other thing I didn't know was that in May, the National League owners had voted on something that would change baseball forever. Worse still, we didn't hear about it until the end of September, Bobby said. In major news from the baseball commissioner, the New York Giants announced their move to San Francisco. Owner Horace Stoneman believes the move will revitalize the team. Despite two pennants and a world championship in recent years, attendance has been suffering. Bobby listened from his living room. He remembered being so angry, he threw his Giants hat on the ground and stepped on it. He was angrier even at his father, who listened to the announcement, gave Bobby a blank, distant stare, then asked what happened. On the train from New Jersey to the Giants' final game, Bobby was in a sour mood. He didn't want to go with his dad. His dad was moving slower, forgetting words occasionally. It was embarrassing. Bobby's friends were also going to the game, and he wanted to sit with them. One day, you'll look back on this and be glad you went with your old man, his dad said. Bobby crossed his arms and pouted. The game was miserable. The Giants couldn't keep up with the Pittsburgh Pirates. By the ninth inning, it was nine to one, and the stadium was starting to empty. So, eventually, my dad let me head down to lower seats and hang out with my friends. The stadium got unruly. Fans were all upset that the team was being taken away from them. They chanted, New York, New York, New York, in a way that was more angry than proud. And when the last ball was caught, they stormed the field. It was chaos. The crowd ransacked the field, kicked up divots, stripping away the wall padding. Someone even ran away with home plate. But me and my friends did something else entirely. Something that, at the time, seemed like a good idea. We stole the plaque. Coming up, Shannon's search comes to an end. Hi, I'm Christine Schiefer. And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast and that's what we drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about, not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. <laughs> Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. <laughs> Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. Shannon clutched her chest. Her heart raced with excitement. An old Giants fan had just told her he stole the Eddie Grant plaque back in 1957. Was this the origin of the famous curse of Eddie Grant? Bobby Jenkins continued. I don't know how we managed it. My buddy brought a crowbar to the game and when everyone rushed the field, we just pried the plaque off the wall. 
Bobby wrapped the plaque in a blanket and carried it home on the train. He arrived home before his father, thankfully, and went straight to his bedroom. He threw the plaque under his bed and laid there, his heart pounding. He knew what he'd done was stupid, but boy was it fun. Later, when his father arrived home, Bobby pulled out a book and pretended to read. If his father, a cop, found out he participated in a riot, much less stole something, there'd be trouble. But when his father came in to say goodnight, he didn't seem suspicious. He only said he was glad his son was okay and that he regretted they didn't watch more of the game together. Bobby ignored him. Then, the next morning, when Bobby went downstairs, his father was standing in the living room holding the plaque. I'm sorry, Dad. I, I didn't mean to... But his father didn't seem angry. Instead, he was talking to it. He was sort of mumbling. I didn't really understand what he was saying, but I kept hearing the name Eddie. It was as if he was talking to him. And then, later, he turned to me and said, I cursed the San Francisco Giants. May they never win the World Series. But look, kid, he was crazy. I don't believe in curses. It's just a losing streak. There was a long pause. Shannon pulled the phone away from her ear just to make sure he hadn't hung up. They'd been talking for nearly 30 minutes. But your dad, did he say how he talked to Eddie? I told you, kid, he was crazy. He thought he was talking to a ghost. War really got to him in the end. Now, you want to know what happened to the plaque, right? Well, when we finally sold my parents' house, the new owners found it in the attic. I said they should give it to the baseball reliquary, but that I had no clue how it got there, which, for legal purposes, I didn't. Got it? Shannon thanked him for his time, saying she'd let him go on his way. It didn't sound like they would get the original back she wasn't sure what to do next. But something about the image of Bobby's father talking to Eddie Grant gave her the chills. Then, she got a really strange idea. She would see if she could talk to Eddie. Tony had said the replica was by the Lefty O'Doul gate near the press entrance, the team had a game against the Nationals later that day, but for the moment, the plaza was empty. She didn't see it at first, the fog was so thick, but then, turning the corner from the elevator bank, she found it, as tucked away as it possibly could be, affixed to brick. So it was actually installed, even if no one could find it. She walked up to the plaque and read the inscription. In memory of Captain Edward Leslie Grant, soldier, scholar, athlete. Suddenly, a great gust of wind blew through the air, so intense she couldn't maintain her footing. She tried to grab onto the gate, but the wind picked up again, whipping against her skin. Shannon grew dizzy, as if she were about to black out. Then, she heard a voice. Finally. The wind stopped. She turned. Next to the plaque 
stood a ghost. Shannon screamed. The figure was wearing an old soldier's uniform, almost as grey as the fog around the park. He saluted. Captain Grant, former third baseman for the New York Giants and resident of this plaque. Shannon shook her head. She felt absolutely crazy. She looked away, took a breath, then looked back again. He was still there. Now, tell me, how is my old team doing? He asked. Shannon was wary at first, but he seemed nice enough for a hallucination. Well, they haven't won in, like, forever. I'm trying to reverse the curse. Eddie laughed the jovial laugh of a man who was kind and wise beyond his years. It was said he was well-liked by his teammates and fellow soldiers. Shannon could see why. My dear, there is no curse, he said. Shannon almost laughed. Here was an actual ghost telling her that the curse was nonsense. She said, then how do you explain the losing streak? Eddie shrugged. Bad luck? Not the right roster? Not enough hard work? Winning is difficult. Everybody has to set aside their egos and put the team first. Take this. The team needed to move to San Francisco way back when. Fans were angry, but they also weren't buying enough tickets to see us in New York. Curses are an excuse. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'd love to see the new park. With that, Eddie walked off toward the entrance, fading into the San Francisco fog. Almost immediately, it cleared, revealing a bright blue sky. Shannon was left there, puzzled and confused. But then, she heard a strange, steady beeping sound, growing louder and louder and louder until... Oh, thank God! Shannon sat up, feeling her head. She was in the player's training room, being monitored by one of the PTs. To her right, the pitcher Madison Bumgarner was getting his shoulder taped. Tony was sitting in the chair in the corner, chewing nicotine. What happened? She asked. You fainted and left the Odua Plaza. Hey, head pretty hard. Listen, I gotta get back to the stadium. They're gonna let you go, but why don't you head home? Get some rest. Talk tomorrow, okay? That evening, Shannon watched the game from her Berkeley apartment. It was slow to start, but by the fifth inning, Renteria hit a single and sent Wellemeyer home to score. The game ended with a cheery 4-2 score. Maybe they weren't so bad after all. But by the time Brian Wilson was sent in to close, Shannon couldn't stop thinking about what Dream Eddie had said, about not doing what she wanted, but doing what the team needs. And when she thought about it more, she thought about how the Giants had a defense. What they needed was an offense. So first, she spent some time reviewing the stats, watching game tape, and pouring through the AAA roster. Then, the next day, she knocked on Tony's office door and told him she had something she wanted to run by him. Did those dusty archives solve all our problems? Shannon entered. Look, I know I said I wanted to do archives, but I was thinking about what you said, about roster management, and, well, you're right. I think I would be of more use there. 
Tony leaned back, loudly chewing his tobacco. You sure? You seemed pretty adamant about that curse solving all our problems. Shannon nodded. She pulled a file folder out of her backpack. I've been looking at Buster Posey. I think you should bring him up. Tony took it and opened it, mulling it over. We already have a catcher. Not as a catcher, as a hitter. His batting average in the minors is 349, and I've watched the tapes over and over again. He works hard. He's a team player. Tony checked his watch, then shut the folder. Fine. I'll see about bringing it up to Bruce. No promises, though. And Shannon? Yes? Welcome to the Giants. Shannon smiled, then looked at her hand. A World Series ring might end up on her finger after all. The curse of Eddie Grant started in 1958 when the Giants moved from New York to San Francisco. Legend went that Eddie Grant's plaque was stolen following the Giants' last game in New York and someone had placed a curse on it. For years, fans maintained that it was because the plaque was never reinstalled in the San Francisco park. In 2001, a historian by the name Mike Hanlon tried to convince owner Peter McGowan to recreate the plaque, but Hanlon says he simply replied, Eddie was a New York giant, and we're trying to define our local identity. Nevertheless, in 2006, a new Eddie Grant plaque was installed in the AT&T park, but in the very corner of a plaza that's usually used as a press entrance. What's thought to be the original plaque was eventually found in an attic in Hohokus, New Jersey. Sources differ, but many say the house belonged to a New York City police officer who was suspected to have recovered the plaque after the final game, but never turned it in. During the 2010 season, Hanlon was hopeful the curse was lifted, but was not entirely sure. The season had a slow start. The team was good, but not great. Their sluggish offense had cost them a few games. Then, on May 29th, the Giants called rookie Buster Posey up to the major leagues. Posey was exactly the hitter the team needed, and things looked promising going into the playoffs. They won the first series against the Braves 3-1, then took down the Phillies in the National League Championships. But for the World Series, they would face the prolific Texas Rangers. To anyone matching the team's stats, there was no way the Giants could win. It looked like the curse would continue until they won the first two games. They lost game three, but won game four, a victory Posey contributed to with a home run in the eighth inning. They went on to win game five, clinching the title. The Giants were the World Series champions for the first time since 1954. Posey was named Rookie of the Year. A parade was held on Market Street, drawing over one million people. From then on, 
the Giants became a dynasty. They won another in 2012 and another in 2014. Many in the Bay Area referred to the World Series month as Orange October. The replica Eddie Grant plaque is still at what is now called Oracle Park, but remains so tucked away, few have seen it. Maybe there was a curse, and maybe it was lifted, but it's more likely that the 2010 Giants just had all the makings of a championship team. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Alex Button, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Stacey Lee Nemec with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Greg Castro, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify.